Well, let's get started. <clears throat> Thank you, guys. Hope you guys have had a good day. Um, you will need a Bible and something to write with, something to write on. If you don't have a Bible, well, you, you can listen. <laughs> it's hard for you to read from the Bible if you don't have it. If you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 8. We're only going to go through four verses, and we're going to do this together so you kind of get an idea of what it is. How many of you already kind of have your own Bible study method, and you're just kind of coming here to hear a different one? Okay. How many is like, I've never had anyone show me, and so I'm kind of here to, and then the rest of you just, you're just curious, just somewhere in between. Okay, um, well, let's pray, and then we'll jump in, and hopefully this is helpful. Um, it was super helpful for me. Um, I hope I pray it's a blessing for you. But let's pray together. Anybody want to pray? I don't need to pray. It's not like I have the only access to Jesus. Anybody want to pray out loud for everyone else to judge your praying skills? No? No pressure? <laughs> Go for it. Pray for it. <clears throat> Awesome, thank you. All right, if you take your page and just write these letters down the side of it, okay, so there's an acronym. Uh, it's not really a word, but I've never forgotten it. Um, so just write prom was, P-R-O-M-W-A-S, P-R-O-M-W-A-S. Way to remember it, how was prom? If you've gone, prom was awesome, prom was stupid. Like, I don't know what, if you liked it or not, but all of those letters mean something. And so in this Bible study method, um, P means pray. That's what you write for, for P is pray. And what do you pray? And what is prayer? I mean, a lot of times I feel like we kind of get into the, we get a lot of the Asian words in prayer because we're trying to impress God with our vocabulary. So justification, sanctification, purification. We go through all these Asian words. We go through all of his titles. And I'm pretty sure that God's not sitting there going, if I don't say his name first, I don't think he says, oh, are you talking to me? It's a conversation with God. But the reason you want to pray first is because you actually want to hear from him. The thing about Scripture is that when something pops out in Scripture, you want God's revelation, not an opinion. You don't want a nice little story that you go, oh, this is what I can pass on. God, you want God to reveal His Word to you. If it's just me finding little nuggets, the things that I like, then I'm going to find the, the things that I like and probably ignore the things that I don't. So by a show of hands, if, <laughs> how many of you have ever read, read parts of the Bible that you just don't like, you don't agree with, Right? I want you to, know, to keep it up, and now look around the room so that you realize this is normal. They've, honestly, if you sit there and go, nope, the Bible always agrees with me, that's the problem. That you've become the standard for the Bible. You read the Bible according to your preferences and your wants. But there should be times when you're reading the Bible and going, ooh, that one has stung a little bit. Or I don't really like that part. And in that moment, you have to ask, am I, am I willing to submit myself to the eternal God? Or am I going to then read scripture, kind of twist it a little bit to fit my preference and my own narrative? So the prayer is simply this, Father, just like you prayed earlier. God, would you reveal? Like, would you show me something? Would you teach me truth? God, I really want to hear you. Just anything that gets your mind focused and stayed on him. It might be even good to get quiet before him. A lot of times prayer turns into the list of things that we have to do. But the writer of, the writer of Ecclesiastes says, hey, when you, come into the house of the, when you come into the house of the Lord, like go there to listen. Like stop talking for just a little bit and just go there to listen. And a lot of times we don't think listening is part of prayer, but it is. If it's a communication with God, then listen. And so maybe just quiet yourself before you do it, and then you just pray. And you just ask God, would you, would you reveal? And there's really no reason that God would ever say, no, I don't want to tell you anything. I don't want to talk to you. You're just kind of a brat. Okay, I'll put up with you guys. It's not what it's like. So P is pray. 
R is read. Oh, okay, so this is the part. So what do you read? Um, guys, this is what helped me. Try to find the same time every day. You're like, I have to do it every day, and that's the problem. When we start saying, I have to do this every day, guys, you don't read the Bible so you can get to heaven. It's not a heaven thing. You spend time with God in the Word because you want to know Him. It's an intimacy thing. It's a relationship with things. So when all of a sudden we keep doing these I have to mentality about how we approach God, wait, I have to pray? No, you get to pray. Wait, I have to spend time in the Word? No, you get to spend time in the Word. Wait, I have to serve? No, you get to serve. Like when it, when it shifts to that, it becomes worship. When it's I have to, it's simply another chore. It's another duty that you have to, that you have to fulfill. But here's what you read. Um, so you pick a translation that you, that you understand. So start telling me the translations that you have. And I know people get pretty passionate about this. It's like, this is the only one. And like, oh, let's not get that arrogant, especially when we look at most of the translations have a bunch of scholars and not just one person pouring into what they are. And I don't know the biblical languages like that. In fact, mine's, I, the ones I know is because it's in this Bible program. When you double-click the word, I can read it. So I'm not going to get arrogant, but which translation do you prefer? Which one, which one do you like? Yeah. Fantastic, yep. And I've been doing my quiet time in that this last year. I think it's fantastic, yep. ESV, that's the one that I preach from. That's the one that I like to study from, yep. NASB, okay, you're going old school. You like that one. Yep, it's very literal. It's a good one, absolutely. NIV, that's been around for a long time. That's more thought for thought. I think it's a good one, sure. Anybody else? She's used to wear it, lambs, give or take, yeah. NLT? Okay, and then I'll um, be honest, when people start hearing, they're like, <gasps> eh, some people get that way. I don't. I think it's good. I read through it. If there's a passage that I don't understand, I'll pull out a bunch of different translations and just go, so what, is the, what do the scholars see on this one? But it's taking them all, and think about it, you get to take the, the studies of dozens, if not hundreds, hundreds of people and trying to figure out the passage. So great. You want to pick a translation you understand, because there's no point in reading something if you don't get it. Like it doesn't make, if I don't understand anything ever in the whole Bible because there's a translation that people say, you have to do this one, then why am I doing it? Like I'm, some people love, some, some people love King James. They say it's the only, the only true one. I don't believe that. And I don't really get into it. I'm not Shakespearean. I don't want to become Shakespearean. I don't, the, I don't understand thee and thou. So I read a translation that I understand. I know that maybe for some that's just kind of frustrating. I don't believe that it is. I believe that I'm following what God wants and I'm doing the best that I can with a translation that makes sense. If you want to go a little bit more word-for-word word literal, uh, New American Standard's more word-for-word, word, ESV, even CSB, it's kind of a newer, model, a newer translation. is more thought-for-thought. Thought. I think there's some good things in all of these. But find one that you understand, pick a time and a place, and then schedule it. And don't let anything get in the way. And here's what m really stood out to me when I was uh, dating my wife. She had a mentor that uh, told or taught her how to date Jesus. And it sounds weird, but... She would set aside a couple hours on a Friday, and she treated it like she was going out with a friend. Instead of it's like, well, I'm going to do it unless something better comes. So, so there'd be times where some friends would say, hey, you want to go out on Friday? At, you want to get lunch on Friday? He's like, oh, no, I've got something already. And so then she would take a blanket and lunch and go to a park and put the blanket out and pull her Bible out. And for a couple hours, she would just sit there and spend time with Jesus in the Word. And so I, when, I, when she told me that she did that, I thought, wow, that's pretty rad. You make it a time that you really, it's non-negotiable. Like this is a time, just like you'd keep an appointment with a friend, or for those that have a job, you keep an appointment with, with uh, someone that you work with, a colleague, or anyone else, you keep it just the same way that you would. Um, and then how much do you read? 
That's the part. It's like, what's the godly amount? Do you have to read the Bible every year through, through and through? No, no. Is it helpful? Sure. I think it helps create a discipline. And you get the whole Bible. I mean, you get the whole Bible every year. It's about three chapters, give or take, every day. But here's how we're going to do today. Okay, so the reason I have you in Matthew chapter 8, in your Bible, in most Bibles, there are subheadings, right? Subheadings in your Bible. What if that's all that you read? You go subheading to subheading. But I want you to pick a book, start the book, finish the book. This is not the way that you figure out God's will. Mm, that's where they throw this one. Spam! Listening closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understanding. That's what he wants me for today. And it might be. But I wouldn't say that that's the best way to just do it. Because what if it's that verse that says, as a dog returns to vomit, so, and it's like goes through it that way, that might not be the most, the most, uh, the most productive or wisest way to go through it. But you pick a book, you finish a book. The same way that when you get a text message or you get some kind of message from somebody, you start at the beginning, you finish, you go all the way through. Why? Because they had an original intent for why they wrote that message to you, and you don't get to pick and choose it. So I'm j I know I'm starting Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, but just pretend that we've gone through up to this point so far. Subheading to subheading, that means, say, say this is morning, if that's when you're going to read, and you go verses 1 through 4, that's it for your time. Okay, so we're going to read it. And all you do is read it. Read it just straight through. You don't stop and do anything yet. Anybody, anyone want to read it out loud? Yep, you got to read it real loud if you're in the back. What's your name? Matthias. Matthias, go for it. Great. Thank you. When people say, I don't have time to read the Bible, friends, I think that was about a minute. We do. We do. We have enough time to read it. Here's the thing. We always find time for that which is most important. True? Not find. We always make time for that which is most important. You always make the time for the things that are most important. If you believe that spending time with God and the Word is, is important, you will make the time. And this isn't a guilt thing. Uh, this is coming from a guy that for a long time um, as a youth pastor, as a pastor, um, it was kind of like, I think, I don't know if I mentioned up front or in the council meeting or whatever, but it's kind of like I'd spend time with God and I really wanted to as the normal thing that I did, but if I needed to push it to the side, I would because I was important. I got to do some ministry. God, you get this. And then I realized I'm not that important. And I wasn't created for ministry. I was created for Jesus. Like I'm created first and foremost for relationship with him and ministry pours out of that, not the other way around. And so now it's, I've got to get alone with Jesus because I love it, not because I'm just supposed to as a Christian. And so you read it for about a minute. So what do you do next? So P is what? R? O? Want to guess? Observe. Oh, you got some Bible students in here. Good. So you observe the passage. So you go back, and this is where you grab a pen, and you just start marking up your Bible. Just mark it up, just whatever comes to your mind, like questions and underline things and bracket things and draw things to the margins and... I mean, if you see one word that's repeated down below, you draw an arrow between the words. Why, would, why do you think that I would think that that is so important to make sure that you've got a pen when you're reading? Anybody? Anybody want to guess? Yeah. Yeah, so you don't lose it. Yeah? What were you going to say? 
Yeah, okay. What else? Outstanding. Yep. What what about you? Yeah, yeah. Anybody have a hard time with comprehension? Like if you just have to read but you're not writing, is it hard for you? It's hard for me. So I have to write. I mean, if I have a magazine, <laughs> I pull out a pen and I just start marking it up so that I'm actually involved in it. It's hard for me to read on a Kindle because I can't draw on it, but Kindle books are m- usually cheaper, so I usually still get some. But I just have to write. I have to be involved in it. And I have to be engaged in the process. But what do you observe when you're in the passage? So here's the kind of things that you observe, and we're going to go verse by verse through it, okay? So I'm going to read the verse, and you're going to tell me the things that stand out. But here's what you're looking for. Who, what, where, when. That's about it. Words that are repeated, ordering of words. You're not going to jump to, hey, this is what it means. It's not the why of the passage. It's just notice the things in the passage. Does that make sense what you're looking for? So here we go. In uh, Verse 1. When he came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. When he came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. So as you're observing, what stands out to you? Say it again. Large, okay? Large what? Large crowds, okay? There's times I'd even, <laughs> there's times when, when I'd even go, how many? It doesn't say, but it's like, well, it's bigger than small. So, <laughs> and you sit and go, that's so stupid, it's obvious. But it keeps me engaged. What else stands out to you from the passage or the verse? What's the setting? Tell me. Down the mountain, so you're at the mountain, you're at the bottom of the mountain. Did you have anything else? That was the main thing. What else? They followed him. Do you wonder who they were? The crowds, okay. Yeah, so who's he? Like, how would you know who he is until you go back, right? And this is where reading through the whole path, like reading from the beginning of, of of the book all the way through, it's going to show you that it's Jesus, right? So you get to chapter 5, he climbs the mountain, his disciples climb with him, and then he preaches the most famous sermon ever. And then when he, Jesus, when he's finished preaching, when he comes down the mountain, so that's where you get it, that's the context. Context is so important. Anything else stand out to verse 1? Okay, verse 2. Right away a man with leprosy came up and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. What stands out to you from that? Yep. If you're willing, okay. Why, why is that? Well, no, no, I can't go there. It's just an observation. Okay, yep. He knelt before him. Okay, so that's important. Yep. I'm oh, sorry, real loud. I'm sorry. Yeah, man with leprosy. And how many of you would put in the, that would circle leprosy? What is leprosy? Like, why is this such a big deal? I would write that down. You had one? Right here. Did you have your hand up? I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. So you, that, I would say that's more of interpretation, but I think that you're right as we get to that point. Because there is something in the question that you, okay, why would he go up to Jesus and make the statement he must have had a belief that, right? So I would lean that more to interpretation, but yes, that's outstanding that you would see that already. Did he ask a question or make a statement? Right? Was it a request with a question mark at the end? God, would you please? Nope. Jesus, would you please? But when it's a statement, what, what kind of statement is it? What's that? A declarative case. If you're willing, you can. Right? So if I wanted to jump into interpretation, which I would never do at this moment, actually, when you start to do this, it all just kind of comes together. Isn't that a statement of faith? 
right? So it's not a question. Do you th- will you? It's like, if you want to, you can. Anything else stand out from the passage? Somebody in the back, yep. Yeah. So we want to look up what that word Lord means. So is he at that moment calling him God? No, when you look up the word, it's more, no, it's, but it's, it's a term of respect. Uh, where can you find these things? Well, guys, there's online. <laughs> there's a ton of resources online now. Um, I think I've, I've talked to people that use blueletterbible.org. Who's heard of that one? Blue Letter Bible, okay. Is it .org? I think you can find it. They have a bunch. You can look up the language there, and you can look up the words. And uh, if you, if, and you said, I go, well, what's the benefit of it? Guys, there is so much in the language of what, is th- what the Bible is originally written in that it just opens up. It op- there's like nuggets that just start to flow out. So yeah, it's, I think it's important. He calls him Lord. What else? Yep. I mean, doesn't it say he's before him? He came before him? So that's proximity, right? That's right there. And Jesus has this lar- large crowd that's following him. That's an important thing. So now you take the thing that you notice from verse 1 and you connect it to something that you notice in verse 2 and go, there's something here, right? There's something here that is standing out. Anything else? And if, it, if something from 2 goes to 1, you want to start connecting, go for it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's fine. You can make me clean. Anybody else? You guys are killing it. Yep. Okay. So, yeah, that's a great question. So you would write down in your Bible, um, maybe, you would, maybe your question would be, from the leprous man's point of view, who is Jesus? Like, who is Jesus? Who do I think Jesus is that I would actually do this? Okay. That's great. Guys, I want to be honest. This is it. This is the majority of what I'm doing when I'm like in my time alone with Jesus, and even when I'm prepping stuff. It's just this. And do you realize we've been doing this? Just the observation part. I would say for at least six minutes, give or take. And it just kind of starts flying by when you start asking questions and r- writing things down and bracketing stuff and circling stuff. And if when you're reading something, it makes you think of another passage, write down the reference. And maybe go read it to make sure, okay, does this make sense? Does it connect? You guys are doing great. Ready for verse 3? Let's go verse 3. Oh, I'm sorry. What? You, oh, I thought you said, <laughs> I, was like, I thought you were telling me don't do it. Okay. Verse 3. Ready? Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him, saying, I am willing, be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. What stands out to you? In the back. <clears throat> yeah, go ahead. Okay, I am willing, sure. But is that you, you're seeing that I am part, right? Wondering if he's trying to connect it to the Exodus 3 thing, right? So here's what I'd do. If, if, uh, if I were you, I would circle I am, write Exodus 3, and try to figure out, is this, is this one of those statements where he's trying to get them to go, <gasps> wait, are you saying that you're God? Uh, I don't know, but at least you're, you're engaged in it, and I love the fact that you thought of that. Yep. Okay. Yeah, he wanted to. I'm willing to be clean, yep. So you'd see that it's similar, but a little bit different, yep. Yeah. Yeah, so you probably would circle that in your Bible. Man, that's immediate, pretty much right then. Yep. Yep. Go ahead. He made the effort to stretch out his hand, right, and, cle- and cleanse him. 
Anything else stand out from this verse? There's a biggie. Yep. Yeah. 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 That's the big part. What's your name? Jojo, I don't, come on, I, I think I named you in the, in the chapel. Jojo, that's it. Think, think about it, he touched him. That stands out to me as massive, right? And then you look at the ordering of it. There's something to it, right? And this is where knowing, like reading commentaries and reading about the historical context, all this stuff is super helpful, so that's why I'm, I'm, I just recommend it. What happens if you touch a leprous person? You're not allowed to, but if you do, what happens? Yep. You're sent out, way in the back. You're, yeah, you're considered to be unclean, right? So here's the thing. <laughs> Watch the ordering. Read verse 3 again. Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him, saying, I am willing to be clean. Do you touch him or do you heal him first? Be clean. Guys, he touched him first. I think there's something to that. Don't you think? Like all it's like, whoa, can you do that? Well, he's God. He wrote the book, so I'm pretty sure he can. So I think it's important to look at it. He, even if it was at the same time, he still touched him before he was healed. But he touched him and then he spoke it. I think that's important. Anything else stand up? Awesome. Verse 4. Ready? Then Jesus told him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. What stands out to you? Yeah. Yeah. Why would you, why would that, why does that stand out to you? Okay. And my question would be like, why not? Like, this is the time. Like, look what I did. <laughs> it's like, you, you could flaunt it, but he doesn't. Great. Yep. Prevalence of Moses. Why do you think Moses is so important? Yeah? No, it's okay. The, why Moses? Why go back to Moses? Well, Moses wrote the law, right? That's what the people of Israel would live by. And so he's like, okay, just do what the law says. Yep. In the back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Good deal. What else? Yep. Right. Right. <laughs> so why? It's like shh. <laughs> Don't tell anyone who just watched this. <laughs> yeah. Anything else? Guys, I want to be, I've, you're killing it. You're doing a fantastic job. Well done. Yep. In what way? I'm sorry. Oh, okay. So oh, as oh, the, mir the miracle as a testimony of God's work to the priest. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Gotcha. Thank you. Anything else? 
Not so bad, huh? Uh, 11 minutes in four verses. Okay, so you see how all of a sudden it's like, I don't have enough time. Okay, I, I have a minute. You start to kind of get into it. It's like, oh my gosh, it just turned into 11 minutes. Just the observation part. You're just kind of sitting there and playing with it and trying to massage it. God, what is it you're trying to show me? What's the revelation that you want me to see? So P is what? R O M meditate. Yep. And here's where observation and meditation come together. And I'm not saying as all of a sudden you pull back and oh, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you're thinking through it. So as you're thinking, and it's really kind of like you're doing observation and meditation, you're doing the same thing. As you're going through it, you're asking questions. Um, you're trying to figure out, okay, why go to the priest? Why would you do that? Why not telling everybody since they're already there? All those things, they kind of go together. So pray, read, observe, meditate. W is to write. You're like, oh, that's R. I know, but to start, you'll get back into school. Hang in there. W-R-I-T-E. You're going to write things down. How you doing? No, it's all right. <clears throat> and this is where, um, okay, <laughs> Who likes creative writing? Anybody? Just love it. That's you. Okay, for those that are creative writers, just for a second, and I'm not saying to write it down unless you want to. First of all, do you think that you could write something, a creative, a creative passage, just from these four verses, from the perspective of anyone you want to in the verses, and come away with something pretty rad? Yeah? So if I said, hey, could you, sh could you write something to for me? Um, actually, when I, I've never done this when I've taught this. Would someone want to go for it and write something from the perspective of the leprous man? Just something quick. So you can kind of tune me out for a while. You just get in there. Anybody want to go for it? Try it? With every, okay, what's your name? Isaac. Okay, Isaac, from what we heard, everyone observed, all the observations, meditation, all this stuff, just write something from the perspective of the leprous man. Okay. Cool? And then uh, a little, the context, remember, that might be helpful as you're writing this down. Remember, if a person is a leprous man, um, anyone who touches is considered unclean. You start thinking of everyone else. They don't want to touch the guy. They want to stay away from because they don't want to be considered unclean. Uh, remember that in that day that if you, were, if you had leprosy, you'd have to walk through the streets. Most of the time you're on the outskirts, but if you had to walk and you cover your mouth and you point as you get to people and you say unclean so that they can get out of the way. So what would it be like? And who knows? And here's the other thing. It doesn't know. We don't know when this guy got it. We don't know if he's always had it. Uh, we don't know if he's had a family before this. I have no clue. Have fun. With those things in mind, with that passage, you're now the leprous man. We'll come back to you in a few minutes, okay? And we want to take the perspective of somebody in the crowd. There's a large crowd. Yep, you take it. Okay, when you remember the passages before that, in chapter 4, like 18 and following, you're seeing Jesus healing tons of people, right? Tons and tons of people. Then all of a sudden he goes up on the mountain, says the disciples followed him. It doesn't say that the crowd did, but the disciples did, but there they are. And so I think he got up high so he could preach because Jesus knows how sound waves work. He starts to preach, so there's this large crowd. He healed many of them, and then he comes back down and he has this all happening. But now you're a person who's in the crowd. Doesn't say, doesn't say, anything, dis doesn't say anything descriptive about them, but that's the joy. You get to have a little fun, but stay, try to stay as true to the passage as you can. Cool? This one is going to freak people out. Ready? We want to try the perspective of Jesus. You're like, <gasps> will he kill us? No, you're okay. You're okay. You're all right. Anybody want to take that perspective? Creative writer. This is your opportunity to get to play God. I'm just joking. Never mind. <laughs> that doesn't make anyone want to do anything. <laughs> Anybody want to try it? If it's not, it's okay. Okay. 
Uh, that's always usually the scary one. It's like, I'm not going to do that. Good. Okay. So those, the, the two of you have at it. For those who love the creative right, do it. Have fun with it. Who's, who's, who loves poetry? I'm pretty sure there's a sweet little poem in here somewhere, right? Don't you think? You can write about, you can write the perspective of somebody. You can write a uh, topic that comes out of it. You can have at it. How many of you are not creative writers? You do not like to creatively write. Yep. And you know what? You do? I'm not going to say, well, then suck it up and do it. You better figure out how to like it. Here's what I'm going to tell you. As you're, going through the, as you're going through the passage, if something pops out more than the rest, okay, from the things that we've read, if I was to ask you, was there a certain part or a certain verse that stood out more than the rest, what would it be? Anybody in? Yeah, what was yours? Don't tell anyone. Okay, so that verse, what verse is that? Okay, so verse 4. You write out verse 4 word for word, the whole thing. You write it out, and then right underneath that, you write out why you wrote it out. That's it. Cool? That's all you have to write out. For those, what's that? I'd say write out the whole verse. Now, of course, if it's, <laughs> if it's super long and you only want that part, whatever you want to do, that's not legalistic. But also, it helps if it's in the context. So if I see the whole verse, oh, yeah, I remember the whole verse. Okay, anybody else? What else? Did anyone, el- did anyone else have something that stood out more than the rest? His was, don't tell anybody. Yep. Yeah, so you would write out verse, I'm sorry, my is um, three, right? Yeah, two and three. You'd write out two and three. And then what you just stated to me, you write it out underneath it. That's the thing, that's why it stood out to me. Yep. Anything else? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the application is going to come right after this, so it kind of goes together, yes. But y- what, I wanted, what I want you to do is any time that you write, you remember, right? I know that we're kind of in this technological world where you just type, and I get it. And yes, I think the number one thing you can learn in high school is to type. Like, learn how to type because, well, you probably came out of the womb knowing how to type. But if you don't know how to type with all fingers and just flying, uh, guys, it's only going to help you. That's the one thing I've told my boys. As you're getting ready to go to college, you better know how to type because you're going to type your face off. So... But there's, some, there's studies that show that when you write with a pen on paper, you actually remember more. And so I've gone back to going back to paper, paper journals rather than typing. Uh, I have a paper Bible instead of reading from my phone. The danger of reading on your phone is that all of a sudden that what pops in? The notification of somebody who's telling you that they want a donut. You're like, oh, I was spending time with the Lord, but now I want a donut. So all of a sudden you're distracted by something that maybe didn't need to be distracted by. So yes, application will come and you'll write that part out. But say, it's also this. There's an original intent in what God wrote, and it should never come down to what does this mean to you? It should be what does God say? What is God saying? And the application may be individual, but it never goes against the original intent of the passage. Does that make sense? The tracking? So if I say, if I make a statement and I have an original intent behind that statement, you don't then get to take that statement and twist it so that now you see it a little bit differently than I meant it, and then you declare it as my truth. That's not how this works. You want to know what was the original intent of the author, what was the truth of the passage, and then apply it that way. So the way that you said it, I think that what you saw was an interpretation, and then you got to figure out a way, how do I apply this to my life? Something from 2,000 years ago, God, how do I apply this truth to my life so that I'm living a life that's set apart for you? Does that make sense? Anybody else? Anything stand out more to you 
Okay? Right? Yeah. So you would, you'd sit there and go, man, this, this makes me think of Luke 15. That's where, that's where it's at. Luke 15, you'd write Luke 15 next to it. And then this is the crazy part. Like you sit there and go, I've got time. Then <laughs> you go to Luke 15, that part, first part of Luke 15, and you start doing the exact same thing with that passage that you did with this one. You're like, well, Brian, I don't have enough time. I'm not saying that you skip school for this. I'm saying if you, if you, if you want to keep going, keep going. This is we want to spend time with God, but if all of a sudden he starts opening more things up, run with it. Just see how it goes. But yeah, perfect. Anything else? Any, anything else stand out to you? Yep. Lord, if you're willing, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, good deal. So you'd write that verse out, and then everything that you just wrote, you just start going, right? That's perfect. Serious, whatever verse that, what verse is that that you just stated? If you're willing, two. So you'd write out verse two, and right under that, all the things you just started saying, just let your mind go, just start writing it out. Things, this is the interpretation of it. This is what God is saying. This is the truth of it. Yep. Awesome, great job. P is what? R. O. M, W, A, apply, right? Apply it. You want to apply it. Guys, this is so important because if you just know a lot of stuff about Jesus, but you don't apply it, then you pretty much can win Trivia Pursuit when you get to heaven, but that's about it. Like, you want to do it, right? So now this is what we're going to do. All the things we've heard, you say, well, Brian, we're not going to have this much stuff because this isn't a group. Like, other, everyone's kind of pouring into this. That is the beauty of doing this in community. Like, there's nothing wrong with you getting together with your friends on your own and, like, studying the scriptures. <laughs> and, like, you said, what high school would ever do that? Wouldn't it be great if you would? I'm not looking to whether or not you have a status. I could care less. Guys, when you're cool in high school, you won't be cool when you're 48. And I don't even think I was cool in high school. But I, then I'm starting to think, who defines cool? Like, what makes a person cool? Guys, I'm not going to lie. I was, <laughs> I was hearing, so I heard somebody... Uh, tell this guy, he's like, hey, nice pants. And I'm like, I have never said that ever. to a, I've never looked at a guy's like, hey, nice pants. I've never thought that that's what happened. So I'm like, you notice I'm not into fashion. It's like shorts, T-shirt, and I just bought some new New Balance. And the person next to me goes, oh, those are coming back in. I'm like, I didn't even know. I just like my feet don't hurt. Like that's the reason I buy them. Like I'm not sitting there going, oh, well, I'd be cool. Because, guys, the 80s have come back. And the 80s are what I ran from. Like, when you look at the fashion of the 80s, I go, I want to be that. Guys, I don't want you to be cool. I want you to be like Jesus. Like, I want you to live this. I just, because I could care less how much you know if it doesn't point you to just loving Jesus with everything you got. Like, that's the point. The reason we spend time in the Word is that we would love Jesus. That's the whole point. And someone say, what about the rest of the Trinity? Guys, the Father is not offended when I say that. The Father's like, yep. The Holy Spirit's not like, what about me? You always ignore me. Nope, he's not doing that. Jesus is exalted 
He's fully God. Holy Spirit's fully God. Father's fully God. And we can interact with the triune God. But I want you to love him. Because when you love him, you'll live for him. And you'll live with him. And you'll live by him. How do you apply this passage to you? This isn't what does it mean to me. This is you take the truth that came out. How do you now apply it? What can you do with it? And this is where it gets a little bit more personal. So if you don't feel comfortable sharing, I totally understand. But I would love to hear it if you do. Say it real loud so in case people can hear you back. So in your weakest, let me, say if I, let me see if I got this right. In my, in my times of weakness, I should go to Jesus. Is that what you're saying? That was it? Perfect. Awesome. That's your application. So when I'm at my weakest, what should I do? I should go to Jesus. Instead of what? Then I'll start asking the question. What should you, why? You should go to Jesus instead of doing what? Okay? Yeah. Okay? So instead of jumping back in the addiction, go to Jesus. Or how many of you guys have a PhD in worry? Right? It's kind of give like a degree. You could teach a class on it. And I've heard people justify it. And I'm not that person that's like, if you worry, you're a horrible sinner. I already know I'm a horrible sinner. There's a reason I think that God says, do not be afraid or do not fear 365 times in the Bible, some, in some way or another. Because every day we need to be reminded, don't be afraid. I love the fact that we have a God who's very compassionate with us. But when I worry, I think that I can kind of prick the heart of God a little bit, just the same way that when my boys worry about something, I've told them, guys, this isn't anything to worry about. And they continue to worry. I'm like, hello, hello, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And all of a sudden, when it turns out fine and I was right, I just, I just do a dance of victory. No, I don't do that. I just kind of look at him going, I got that. I'm, I'm telling you, I've been through this. I knew you'd be fine. You'd trust me. Trust me. And I think that's what God's saying with us. So instead of jumping back to worry, and I've heard people say, well, the things that I worry about don't happen. Except the ulcer hurts. And the mind doesn't stop. But all of a sudden, if you turn to Jesus, every time you worry... And what if the enemy, guys, and I know for some spiritual warfare is like that thing where people are like, ah, I don't want to talk about it. Just put my head in the sand because if I, if I don't notice it, it's not real. Guys, I believe the Bible to be true and I believe we have, a, we have warfare against spiritual things. But what if every time the enemy wants you to worry, every time you use that as this reminder to pray, do you think that maybe he'll stop that attack because you just keep going back to Jesus? Guys, all these things. I'm not saying that worry is always the devil. But I do believe that he wants to play on your mind. He wants to discourage so great job, great application. What is another application that for some of you say, this is stands out to me, yep. Yeah. 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 Well, Mary said Jesus came down the mountain, but here's the part about the part that I like that she said. Would this have been a risk for a leprous man to make his way through a crowd to get to the feet of Jesus? Yes. So here's the thing. If you had one word to describe what it is that he showed, what would you call it? And there might be some that pop out, but there's one in particular I'm going to make sure we get to. Who said something here? Boldness, okay. I think boldness is there. Courage. Courage. Who said faith? Boom. Guys, how do you, what's, what's the definition of faith? Hebrews 11.1. 1, I got it. Okay, but let's just put it real practical, real quick. Let's see. Uh, everyone in the room is showing me, is sh everyone right now is practicing faith. Yes. 
All of you are practicing faith in the exact same thing. Do you know what it is? The chair, right? How do I know? Because you're sitting on it. Like you didn't come in and, I don't trust it. I mean, I believe it'll hold me, but I ain't, I ain't sitting down. Guys, has anyone ever broken a chair? Guys, is there, any, is, there <laughs> is there any way out of that where you don't really feel bad about yourself? You know those beach chairs that kind of fold out this way? I remember, and I've, I've broken two of them when I was a lot heavier, but it's really humbling when it's somebody else's. And I remember it's like, oh, you can have this. And they pull it out, and it's like, who is this for? Like, this isn't for, a, like, a human man. This is for, like, your chihuahua. Like, this just makes no sense. So they pull it out, and they offer it. I'm like, okay. I was like, no, it's okay. And they keep, they keep, they keep saying, yes, please take it. So I, I, I would, I'd sit down, but I'd have my right foot underneath me to hold me up. But at some point, that calf just starts to hurt. And all of a sudden, it's like shaking. I'm like, oh, I'm going to sweating. And then, boom, I'm on my back. I'm like, well, and then they're, oh, I'm so sorry. And they bring me up. And then they pull out another one exactly like it. I'm like, did we not learn from the first one? The fact that you sat down means that you believe that it would hold you. Here's, here's my equation for faith. Belief plus action equals faith. I believe it, and if I really believe it, I'll do something about it. Welcome to faith. So, with this man, the application. If he's sitting there going, I believe that Jesus can heal me, but he stays from a distance. Doesn't ask, doesn't do anything about it. Is that faith? No. But when he makes the move, isn't he practicing faith? So what's an application you can take with the topic of faith? Like there's one thing to apply about faith. How could you personally apply that to you? Yep. Okay. So you could just sit there and go, by faith, I want to whatever. And so God, maybe it'd be this. In your, in your, in your journal, you just simply write, God, would you increase my faith? Faith comes from him. He provides what's necessary in faith. You don't have to muster it up. God, would you increase my faith that I would be this bold? Because boldness comes from, like, when someone takes an act of faith, it looks bold because you're going against the quote-unquote norm. The application I think I could also throw at you, don't you think that you need boldness today? In the setting of our society, don't you think that you need boldness to live a life of faith? Because people aren't applauding you because you love Jesus anymore, right? So God, would you increase my faith that I would, take, I would take steps in order that I would be bold, not arrogantly bold, but bold to follow and obey you? Couldn't that be your prayer at the end? Yeah. Anything else application-wise from this passage? Yep. Nobody cleanses? Oh, okay, yeah. Yep. So I'd write that in there. And then, uh, and then what's your name? I'm sorry. Zion. Say more. Zion. Okay. Under that, it's like no one, no one cleanses you like Jesus does. Then you could go even deeper. And you could say, God, what is it in me that needs to be cleansed? What, what, how am I living that's not pleasing? Is there something in my life that's not pleasing? And if it's something pops to your mind, you just start praying about it. And you write out your prayer. God, would you help cleanse this? And would you cleanse this in me? All of a sudden, you see all of a sudden your application gets even more deep. As you keep going with Jesus, now you're interacting with him. Anything else? Yep. Jesus can. That's your application. Jesus can. Yeah. Yeah. 
good deal. So if that's the way that the man, quote-unquote, requested something from Jesus, should that impact the way that you prayed to Jesus? Because don't we pray this? God, will you, will you, will you do this? Will you do this? Please, 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 please. And you just do this until you annoy the crud out of them. Or what if you said this? Jesus, if you want to, you can heal this person. And I ask that you would, but it's your will, if you're willing. And there's peace in that. It doesn't mean you can't keep asking, not, but not like this. Because when you do this to God, you're just like, I'm going to annoy you until you give it. What's that part in, it's in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, and he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is it not his will that we want? Friends, this is the other question. Are you as happy with Jesus' no as you are with his yes? If you ask Jesus for something, and it's what you want, there's really nothing wrong with asking, right? You can ask for anything according to his will and be given to you, but it's according to his will. If he says no, are you okay? Am I okay? Do we still believe that he's great and good? All these things come from just us sitting with the passage. So who had the, who had the leprous man? You're going to write something about the leprous man. Was that Isaac, right? Isaac, you want to go for it? Did you get something? Okay, let us have it, dude. Outstanding. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Is he, is, are you SU pastor? Dude, when you do Matthew 8, 1, or Matthew 8, 1 to 4, you got someone to come up and be the leprous man. That's awesome. And look, you're all proud. I love it. That's it, dude. Like, that's all that it is. And as you're, as you're reading it, what happens? All of a sudden, we're drawn in, right? And isn't that what a, a storyteller does? You just tell the story, and people go, ooh. Well done. Who had uh, in the back, right? Person in the crowd, go for it.
outstanding. Guys. As you both shared, we got about 10 more minutes. Um, as you both shared, here's the passage that popped in my head. And I'm, I'm going to read this to all of you, though. Don't let anyone despise your youth, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Young generation, would you do me a favor? Would you bring us back? Would you be the examples of what faith looks like to a generation older than you that maybe we've lost our way a little bit? Sometimes we get a little focused on things we're not supposed to be focused on. We connect our faith to things that it's not supposed to be connected to. Would you be with the revival generation? Why would I say that? Because I love the things you brought up in the word. I love the things that God revealed to you. And you're going, is it this? Is it this? And you're trying to figure it out. And the application points that I heard from you, I thought were solid. The interpretation points that you're getting are, are revelatory. And you realize that I didn't do anything. I just stood here and I just asked a couple questions. What do you mean by this? What do you mean by that? I didn't preach the message. I didn't preach the passage. But you set the example of what it looks like to be a true, committed, passionate, in love follower of Jesus. The world so desperately, your generation so desperately needs to see what true followers of Jesus who are high schoolers look like. Anything else stand out to you? Thank you both for sharing. Anything else? So there's one more, right? There's one more letter there. P is what? R-O-M-W-A-S is share. And like, oh, wait a minute. Why not to share every time? No, but at least be open to sharing. By a show of hands, how many of you have ever received that text or that phone call or email or message or whatever it is at the exact time that you needed it? Or a person came by at the exact time? Anybody? We sit there and go, coincidence. And God's like, one day you'll stop believing in that. Like one day you'll actually hear that passage, and I think it's in 2 Corinthians. Paul says something like, then the God who comforts the downcast comforted me by the coming of Titus. You know why it showed up at the exact moment? It's because God says, I need to encourage my child. But I'm going to use one of my other kids to encourage him or her. What if, what if you get to be the answer to somebody's prayer? Because all that you did was, God, is there anybody you want me to share this with? You know why I also think this is so important? And this is going to come out in the last message, but I'm so passionate about this. Guys, the one thing that Jesus told us to do before he ascended, from the, ascended into the heavens, you know what? Go make disciples. Not just converts, not just have events where they just hear, raise their hand and go home. Go make disciples. Disciples, go make followers. And then baptize those followers in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. And I feel like what we've done in the church for a long time is we've divvied out who gets to do which part. You love evangelism? Boom. The spiritual gift of evangelism means that a person will, will they'll, they'll speak the gospel to the tree. I mean, they just love, like, I want to talk to the chair. You know about Jesus? They just go nuts. But it doesn't mean that the rest of us are not called to that same thing. All of us are call, called to go and make disciples. And then when a person comes to surrender to Jesus, you get to baptize them. Now, this is my conviction. It doesn't have to be me. If a person leads a person to Christ, it's not like, Brian, take him over, because the pastor's the only one that knows, knows how to dunk completely. 
Like, ah, oh, there's, a, there's a flow motion. Oh, there it is. Guys, I don't even think it has to happen on a Sunday morning. We have home churches, and if a person comes to Christ in a home church and they want to get baptized, they can do it right there in their home church. Just videotape it so we can celebrate. Because now everyone's involved. Go make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey. Guys, I'm convinced that every disciple of Jesus is called to go make disciples who will then go make disciples. In other words, make disciples who will make disciple makers. That's what all of us are called to do. And I hear enough complaints about, well, if our, our nation is going to hell in a handbasket. I hear that. I get that. And yet we Christians keep sitting on our hands instead of going out and making disciples. Why do I think that there's this moral compass that's declined and gone a different direction? Because the church stopped making disciples. Go make disciples. That's our job. That's what we're left for. And guys, it is an absolute thrill ride and terrifying and freaks you out. And probably part of this will come up in a message, hopefully the last one. Because God's going to ask you to do things that will terrify you because he's not afraid of what you're afraid of. But can you imagine, you go, God, is there anybody you want, to sh- you want me to share this with? So just ask right now. Just, God, is there anybody you want me to share this with? Anybody have somebody come to your mind that they kind of need to hear something that maybe God showed you? Anybody? Like maybe? And then all you do is you text them. Hey, you came to my mind. I was reading this passage. I hope that it's helpful. You don't jump into automatically saying, God told me. Because if it wasn't him, (laughs) then you just said, God told me and it wasn't real. And God doesn't like when we do that. Like prove it. Guys, you really realize in the Old Testament that if a prophet spoke on behalf of God, they thought they did, and it did not come true that they were supposed to stone that prophet to death. So when you have people go, God told me, I'm like, you better make sure that God told you because God doesn't like you using his name in vain. But share it. I usually just say, I don't know if this makes sense. You came to my mind. I hope it's helpful. That's all I say. Because I don't want to arrogantly just say the statement. Guys, it blows my mind how often I'll hear people go, ah. It's like you're reading my mail. Like, how did you know? I'm like, well, I'm super spiritual. Nope. It's like you just came to my mind. No joke. There was this guy, uh, let's see, last uh, year ago, May. He came to my mind. That's all it was. It's like, oh, let's see how Jake's doing. I did his, I did his wedding like four years before that. And so I just texted him, hey, Jake, how you doing? He's not part of our church community. I just did his wedding. Um, but I've kept in contact. And he goes, okay, it's crazy. I was going to call you today. I've been, I've, been really having a trouble. I've been really having a struggle against drinking. And I have a one-month-old. It's really starting to impact my marriage. And I'm like, yeah. All I had was your name coming on. I just see how you're doing. I had no clue this was it. So I said, well, why don't you and your wife and I meet tomorrow? And we went to In-N-Out because it's right. And so we showed up to In-N-Out. And she just opened up and wasn't belligerent, wasn't angry. Just, just she's broken. He joins our home church. Through that process, he gave up drinking. And at some point he goes, and he calls me one day. He goes, Brian, I just want to let you know. I gave up smoking weed. I'm like, I didn't even know you were smoking weed. <laughs> I was like, when would you smoke weed? He goes, well, you know, sometimes at home church, if you see me walk out, I'm like, wait, you come to home church and go get high? He goes, well, not anymore. It's like, this is what happened. He's like, I'm like, okay, don't get offended. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sitting there, and he goes, I just took the pipe, and I just chucked it out the window. And I'm like, I wouldn't do that in traffic. Because he said, I was in traffic, and I just chucked it. I'm like, oh, that's probably not the right thing to do. Guys, I... It all came because one day he just came to my mind. And that's kind of how God works. Guys, be willing to share. 
Here's the part that I want to make sure you walk away with. Here's why I think it's so important. This passage says so much. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Guys, make that your prayer, how you pray to God now. God, if you want to, you can. There's this state. I know you can, but I'm also submitted to your will. I remember I prayed over a girl once. You have a couple minutes? I'm going to add an old story. And this was years ago. I remember she came forward, and I'd always seen her at our, our midweek service, which the one, uh, that was the one I led. But I never got to talk to her because after it's over, we, I'm always talking to people. So she shows up Sunday morning, uh, on a Sunday morning, the, the senior pastor said, hey, the pastors will be up front to pray with you. I'm like, oh, we are? No, I didn't know that. Just get ready. Look up Google to look up prayers. I'm just joking. And so we're standing up in the front. She comes up with her boyfriend, and she says, could you pray for my shoulder? So I got to meet her and my boyfriend. I said, sure, but she starts to cry. And in my mind, I'm going, it's, it's a shoulder. Like, I didn't sit there and go, oh, my gosh, my heart hurts. Like, I, almost, I honestly sit there going, why are you crying over a shoulder? Like, it wasn't like she was headed in a sling. She just, it just hurt her. I said, is there more to this story? She goes, oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a physical therapist student at USC. I'm working on my PhD. And I went, oh, so if God doesn't heal you, you can't do what you always wanted to do. And she's like, like that, <laughs> trying not to cry, but cries. I was like, let's pray. I said, I don't know what's going to happen. And so don't you feel the pressure when somebody asks you to pray for healing? Like, okay, this is all on you now. Make it happen. They got a, like their chest is ripped open. It's like, I can do it. Heal, talk on. <laughs> You're ready to go. So I just, I grabbed his shoulder, then I grabbed hers lightly. <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> this, is all, this is the passage that came to my mind. I just simply said, Lord, if you want to, you can heal her shoulder. Amen. <laughs> she looked up. It was like the look on her face was like, that's it. Like, you're a professional? I'm like, no, I'm not a professional. I said, so how is it? And she starts to me. She goes, I think it's okay. I'm like, ooh. Okay. <laughs> so I said, okay, how about tomorrow? Tomorrow, email me. I gave her my email. So the next day, I totally forgot. I didn't, I forgot that I told her to do that. So I walk in, I check my email, and I was like, oh, there she is. And it's long. And I went, oh, this could be really good. Or this could be really bad. <laughs> like, this could be horrible. And she's saying things like, you will never believe. Last night was the first night in 10 years I've slept through the night with no pain. And I went, ah! I just screamed. My assistant's outside. She's going, you all right? I'm, I'm just reading emails. <laughs> it's like, I was so stoked. And then I had to reply. She's like, but oh, at the end of it, she goes, even if it was just for one night, I know that God is able. And I went, God, that is so huge. And so I replied back with the pressure to write an email as long as hers. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like, if this is this long, you got to get close. So I'm like, what's up? What's your favorite shrub? Like, I don't know what to talk about. <laughs> I'm pretty direct in my emails. So I said, okay, why don't you get back to me on Wednesday, two days from now. Tell me what happened. I couldn't wait. So I remember this one. I email her. She emails me pretty quick. She goes, Brian, I went swimming yesterday. I haven't swam for years because it always hurts. It didn't hurt. The next week. She comes up to me at the worship service on the Thursday, and she goes, can I tell you what happened next? I'm like, I'm tired of your miracles. I'm tired of your miraculous life. I said, of course. And she goes, I went to my physical therapist, and he's doing all that Frankenstein stuff. Oh, my gosh, did you hear that? My fist just full-on popped out. Okay, it's like, he's all doing this stuff. And he goes, he looks at it and goes, it's, I don't get it. It's like you never got hurt. Guys, that's the first time. I can't say it's happened like that every time. But it was so freeing to go, God, that was you. If you want to, you can. 
guys, she's now a physical therapist in a place called Casa Colina, uh, which is kind of the big, it's like the well-known one in the area where I live. She's doing what she loves. And I just thought, God, that's so freaking rad. And now someone's sitting there and go, why did she get immediately? And I haven't. And that's a legitimate question. There's nothing wrong with asking that question. But when you can come to the point where you say, Lord, if you want to, you can, instead of demand, then you could come back and go, okay, God, you haven't done that, so you must have something better in mind. So the next part, and then I'll close it out. Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him, saying, I am willing to be clean. <clears throat> you really think that this guy was going to die that day if he didn't get cleansed? Probably not. The fact that he could walk to Jesus, kneel before Jesus, speak to Jesus, he probably wasn't on his deathbed. But don't you think he's desperate? Isn't it amazing that Jesus touched him first before he healed him? Why? Because maybe Jesus knew exactly what this guy needed most. Think about it. No one wants to touch you. Guys, we're such this communal group of beings, aren't we? Like high fives. Now it's knuckle bumps because we're all afraid of COVID or whatever. Like we'll knuckle bump. We'll do the, the safe Christian front hug or safe Christian side hug or like a full-on embrace when you're full and excited about something. We are just relational beings, yeah? Can you imagine if every time you walked up, people got out of your way? No one ever, never, never came up to do a handshake, ever. And what if it was for years? So what if it was this? Jesus knew that he wanted to be healed, but Jesus knew that he needed to be touched. And so in that moment, he met him at his deepest need, and then he gave him even more. Guys, we've spent an hour on four verses. Guys, the word of God is rich and deep, and it's how God speaks. And you, can, you have conversation with God with it, and you speak your mind when you read the things of God. Oh, but when you dig in and God shows you and reveals to you the nuggets, oh, it changes everything. And then you live it, and then you share it, and you try to figure things out as you go. And there's going to come a point probably where you have this conviction about one part, and then you read the other parts of the scripture and go, oh, that was wrong. God, give me clarity. Give me clarity. Always reliant upon God for it. Does this make sense? Friends, can I pray for you all as you go out? Not just as a way to close what we're doing, but to really pray. I am so proud of what you did. You guys took, a gr you took one of my favorite passages and opened it up, and I loved it. Let me pray. Jesus, I pray that you would help us to be just like you. That that person who seems to be the outcast in the society, we would not be afraid to care for and to love and to touch the way that you do and the way that you would. Would you show us how to apply this? Jesus, so often in your word, I see that you leave the masses to deal with the one. Would you reveal to us this week, who is the one, God, that you want us to impact? We don't have to win them all, but God, who is the one you want us to impact? Who will then impact? Who will then impact? And God, thank you for the invitation that you give to us to be your hands and your feet. Holy Spirit, change us into the likeness of Jesus that our responses and reactions to people, no matter their background, no matter their current life choices, would look so much like you that it would cause them to want to glorify our Father in heaven. God, we love you. We thank you for your goodness.
We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, amen. Love you guys more than you know. Enjoy the rest of your evening. We'll see you in chapel.